Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. I'm going to hand the mic to Andy. I had the privilege of meeting Kemp Wynn uh, on Friday night. Uh, he was a special speaker at the men's retreat at New Life, but that was my first time meeting him, and Andy has known him since the first grade. So, uh, Andy, why don't you introduce our speaker this morning? Yeah, Kemp and I, we, we both grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're, we're both what we were VFLs, Vols for Life. And we, we love the big orange. I, did you go to school at UT? I went some. I didn't graduate there. Uh, but um, uh, Kemp and I have played Little League together, uh, I think Pee Wee football together. Uh, neither of us were real good in basketball, so we didn't do a lot of basketball. Um, but we became friends. We were drummers in the, in the Inskip Elementary School marching band. And he's been one of those guys that God put in my life that just kind of comes along beside and and we encourage each other, and generally when I go home, I try to find at least one time where we can, we like to go to Cracker Barrel. And uh, we, have a, we have another friend that's part that we grew up with who likes to pay for, every, anytime he goes out, he has to pay for it, and we always invite him. Um, <laughs> but the last three times, he's, he's figured it out, he hasn't shown up. But um, you'll enjoy, he's just a good guy. Uh, I'm so really glad that God let me have a friend like, uh, like Kemp, so Kemp win, make him welcome. I've already, already been made welcome just walking in the doors of your church. Um, you not only talk to visitors, you talk to one another and greet one another, which is a, a really good sign, a good place to start. And uh, I've really enjoyed being up here this week, and uh, we have known each other for a long time, and uh, I invited the guy that he's talking about at Cracker Barrel, I invited him to come up here, but, but uh, he had some family stuff going on, he couldn't come, and, uh, but uh, Andy has meant a whole lot to my life, I had to do his father's funeral uh, this past summer, and Andy was burning the road up between here and Knoxville, it's a ni- about a nine hour drive, and uh, so, but I have been pleasantly uh, surprised up here. I thought all the godly people lived in the south. You know, I was out, when I was driving over here from the camp, we passed the Mason-Dixon line. You know, we come up here to where it's officially north. And uh, I enjoyed it. Also drove through Palo Alto. I thought that was in California. Uh, but there's a little area over there. I'm sure you all know where it's at. But uh, it has been such a blessing. And, the Alleghenies look a lot like the Great Smoky Mountains. They're, the Alleghenies seem to be somewhat higher and, and just straight lines, and uh, the Appalachians are a little bit different. But uh, I, have, I enjoyed the drive up here so much. I, I cut it in two. I just drove to Stanton, Virginia, then drove up the rest of the way. Uh, but the men's retreat at New Life, uh, I think, is a bigger blessing f- for me than anybody. And uh, I got to study uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, try to 
I couldn't get it done in the 45-minute session, so uh, we had, but we were covering 40 verses, and this morning we're only going to look at two verses, so maybe that gives you a little bit of hope. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, this will be a uh, familiar passage of Scripture to you uh, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and um, it's a passage that kind of looks back because it talks about a great cloud of witnesses. Now, we've just gone through a list, if you read through chapter 11, uh, beginning with Abel and Enoch and Noah, uh, and then, you know, the, the patriarchs, then some lesser-known characters, and some other characters that you go, what? How did they make the Hall of Faith? Like Samson, you know, Samson was uh, one of those questionable guys but uh, only questionable to us as we compare each other to one another. But when you think about comparing any of us to God himself, we all, we no, none of us pass that, get a passing grade. And uh, that's the point of faith. Two points of faith that from chapter 11 uh, is, is that it's all by faith because faith rests in the person of God, not the person of Kemp. You know, it rests in his person, who he is. The law represents who God is. And so the law, the reason we find it so hard and the Israelites found it so hard to keep the law is because uh, we're different. We're not God. It describes God. How would God do it? Uh, we don't measure up. We always fall short. And Paul says in Galatians that the reason for the law was to be a tutor, to lead us to Christ. But to, to frustrate us so that we don't try to keep it by law. The other second, second thing is that uh, salvation, knowing God, a relationship with God, has always been by faith. Going all the way back to uh, Abel, uh, of course, officially through uh, Abraham, establishing the covenant with God, that God, God initiated the covenant towards uh, the human race through Abraham. And so it's reminding that in chapter 11 and the whole book of Hebrews is about persecution. They're under persecution. They're not just being marginalized like we kind of feel in our culture right now. You know, marginalization, being censored, being canceled uh, is one of those steps of, of censorship. Censorship to me is violence, uh, at least in a, in a culture like ours built, built on a constitution like we have. Uh, but God has worked through all of that and cut through all of that and made that covenant with Abraham. But it just reminds these Hebrew believers who they were being persecuted for believing in Jesus and they were also being uh, uh, deceived by the Judaizers. Remember how Paul used to be followed around by the Judaizers that were trying to say, oh, you've you got to be circumcised, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, plus Jesus. And Paul in Galatians said, uh-uh, that, that is not uh, the way it is. So, so uh, it's very much about uh, the fact that we focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ as we move into Easter here, but every Sunday you focus on Jesus here. Uh, as we move towards Easter, though, we're encouraged even a little bit more to remember that it's all because of what God has done. And the joy that you feel and, and reflect in this building, uh, and I know that you know it, is because of that. It's because of what he has done. The work is done, and Hebrews talks about us resting in him. 
So let's look at verse number 1 in chapter 12. Uh, as a result of uh, chapter 11, as he's just described, and we tried to study this weekend at the camp, uh, he says, therefore, you know, anytime the word therefore is there, you say, what's it there for? Because it's pointing you back, the attention to what you have just looked at. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, he's as, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now one of the things that you see here immediately, the thing that most of your attention goes to is that there's a, there's a purpose here that inspires, and it's, it's this race. He says, let us run. In verse, the last part of verse number 12, you kind of jump down a little bit. And he says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's, it's really your race is your life. Not, not much beyond that, but really how you handle business in your life. And do you handle business in your life according to how God says it should be? Isn't that a good idea if we did, it, if we did that? We listen to God, the, the author of life, uh, if we listen to his instructions in the Word of God uh, as we walk with him. Uh, one of the people we talked about uh, was Enoch. The second person we talked about was, was Enoch, who walked with God, had sons and daughters, and for a period of 300 years he walked with God. Then God just translated him to heaven. Uh, and... You know, I don't know if any of us are going to be translated here this morning. I think we've all felt close to God already. But uh, there is this sense of, of our race. Uh, he's encouraging us to finish the race. Uh, he says, you know, what, what you do with your salvation is really what he's talking about. Your life, your salvation, what you do with it matters. It matters to God. It matters to others. It matters to the lost matters to your wife or your husband, your children, you know, how you conduct yourself. If, if you walk by faith, putting the weight of your walk and the, you know, the burdens, anybody ever have any burdens this morning? Any trials? Anybody having any tr extra trials this week? You know, Jesus said, today has enough troubles of its own, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, when you get about 70, I'm 68, when you get about 70, you start having troubles. You have a trouble getting out of bed. You have a trouble going to the bathroom. You have trouble getting in the car. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's troubles. And, and then when you're young and you're in school, you got people you can't stand and don't stand you, can't stand you. You've got tests to take. You've got teachers to deal with. Uh, maybe you're growing into puberty and you don't know what's going on and girls are looking different and and uh, to the guys, and, and the same thing for the girls, and, and life just keeps transforming and sending you all these curveballs, uh, and the book of Hebrews is about, we got to learn how to rest in the Lord. We, when we're running our race, we got to figure out how to rest uh, in the Lord, and I need to focus on my own race, and don't need to be comparing myself with other people, 
Uh, and one of the things we talked about in the uh, retreat this week, I told them we all carry around under our arm, in ima imaginarily, I guess that's a word, uh, these manuals. We carry manuals around for how other people ought to live their life. You know, the husband has a manual for his wife, wife for the husband. A lot of you, I sense over here, there's a lot of you have a manual about your boss. Maybe you got a, a boss that you, he's not doing it right or she's not doing it right. And, and they're, never, they're not doing it the way the old bosses used to do. Uh, or, uh, you know, just we're concerned about other people's walk, other people's lives more than we're concerned about our own. And this race that we're running that he's talking about here in uh, verse number one is that race of accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish through the church. That's your all's context of life. You've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you trust in him and you're trying to grow and be a part of this church family because as a church family together you can accomplish a whole lot more than you can by yourself. Yeah, you got to focus on your race, but remember there's a lot of other people around you racing. You, you watch, uh, we're in the South, we all watch NASCAR. You know, we love, I watch NASCAR, I think we really do for the 30 car pileups. I don't know, it's, it's just something, it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of juvenile, you know. Yeah, they're hitting all. Hope nobody died. Hope nobody got hurt bad or anything. Uh, but people got to watch out for each other when you're driving those cars at 200 miles an hour. We got to watch out for each other when, you know, then I'm in my lane trying to live my life, but the person next to me, they got as many cares as I do. They got as many distractions as I do. And so, uh, running this race, it, 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 it's a race, it's a purpose that inspires us, and uh, the writer says, let us run this race. And then secondly, there's a, there's a person to prepare, and that person is you. Let us lay aside, first of all, every weight. This, he's telling us how to run this race. Uh, let us lay aside every weight. Um, now, you ever watch the track meet? You see these runners are running in sleek track uniforms. You watch the Olympics or something like that. And you never see, you never see an athlete with a trench coat on, do you? They're all these, these little bitty, I guess, thin nylon. They, they don't want anything to uh, hold them back when they're stretching and jumping or uh, sprinting or whatever. You know, it's a high jump or a pole vault. Those types of things, they got to feel free. You don't, you don't see them wearing trench coats or anything, or a sweater, or anything like that, a heavy sweater. Uh, there, but there's, there's things that we have in, in our lives that are not sin, but they might be habits, might be one of these. I can't hardly get it out. Anybody have one of these? I never leave mine. I, I had not, since, you know, you worry about leaving uh, clothes in the room that you stay in. You worry about leaving some other things. I never worry about this because I'm constantly aware of where this is. Uh, it's more important than my billfold because I buy things through it more than anything else. Uh, it, 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 it's a distraction. 
it's a distraction, and I give it that place in my life. Now, it's, it's also a tool. Talked to the guys this week about using Bible Hub. I do about 90% of my Bible study on Bible Hub because I've learned how to use it, and I can fly through and go from Zechariah chapter 3 to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, real quickly. Uh, but it can be a distraction depending on how I use it and what I'm using it for. But there's other things in our life, our, our entertainment. Let me tell you one that just, I don't want to make any mad, anybody mad. Sports. Andy talked about the Big Orange. The Big Orange doing well across the board, but we're always getting embarrassed by the Big Orange. They always come up a little bit short, it seems like. There's a big, big thing going on. They're going to be good this year, and then, you know, they kind of peter out there at the end some way. Sports. When my son, my son's 34 now, when he was 13 and 14, was when the Sunday morning baseball tournament for the traveling team started having games on Sunday morning. Now, I know that's not even an issue anymore. They haven't stopped that. It's just that they all do it. And you, I know you parent, you got to make a call. I made a call back then. I said, my son will not be here tomorrow morning. It was the first tournament that we ran into, uh, and he was a pitcher. And I told him before the game that they played on the Saturday, I said, he won't be here tomorrow at 9 o'clock. He will be in church. And I know that's a struggle. You're, you're in a, between a rock and a hard place. Sports has, has become such a distraction. It's not a sin to play sports. But sometimes you've got to make a call. Uh, maybe you say, maybe we don't want to play on a traveling team. Maybe we'll just play on a rec league. I grew up in a rec league. Uh, you know, I did, I did all right. We won the state championship in Tennessee my senior year. And I don't know if any of the guys on our team played on a traveling team. Uh, we played in a rec league. It wasn't because of church, because back then, uh, when I was young, you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think of having a baseball tournament or a softball tournament or a volleyball tournament on Sunday morning. The, the Southeastern Conference basketball did not schedule any basketball games on Wednesday night. Now, has this preacher come all this way to talk to us about stuff that, that, that it was relevant 20 years ago? Uh, I'm saying that we live in a world that no longer even considers what all of us, most of us, I guess, I don't know how many in here are not saved. I mean, there may be a few. But most of us in here, we, we, we have put all of our life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and worship Him. And we have limited time, just like anybody else, when we can come together as the body of Christ and worship God. Uh, and then our world makes it harder and harder and harder. So what do we do? Give up? No. But we do, have, we do have to make some choices. Maybe a young person says, Mom, I, I want to be in Sunday school. I want to be in church on Sunday morning. So maybe I don't need to play in this league. Maybe it'll come from the young person. Maybe the parent puts their foot down. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just know it's a conflict. It's not a sin. Playing baseball or a sport is not a sin. But it's a weight. It, it can be a weight, can it? To keep you from 
worshiping and considering God as the most important thing in your life? I guess the question is, if there's not a conflict, where does God have the place in your life? Is he the priority of your life? So, uh, and you could go a thousand different ways and talk about so many different things. How many hours you spend watching television and and uh, I'm bad about that uh, because it's so easy. I got tickets. I had this past year. I had season tickets available. I didn't have the tickets. I had the electronic way to get in. You you can't give anybody a ticket anymore. You got to show them your phone. That's why you got to have it with you all the time. Uh, but I had season tickets to the University of Tennessee basketball team. They were they were pretty good this year. I didn't use one of those tickets. I called my sister. She used to be Pat Summit's secretary. And so it's actually her tickets, but she don't go either. And she said they were available to me. So I called her back and I, told, I said, talk to the other nephews, talk to the other family member. And they mostly used them. I didn't because I'm 68 and I'm tired of walking over there when I can sit there and watch it on the television. You know, I, I can make my own popcorn. It don't cost nearly as much. So there are things, I'm just saying there's things that weigh us down. And then, of course, and the sin, right there in verse number one. And the sin that so easily besets us, ensnares us. My goodness. Uh, it's something that tangles us up. It's like running a race with your shoelaces tied together. If you're thinking about a, a race... You ever have somebody sneak and tie your, your shoelaces together? Uh, it trips us up. You know, the race of faith. We live by faith. Thereby, we run by faith. And a lack of faith comes from, uh, from sin in our life. When, when we entertain sin, when we give it place, when we don't repent of it, when we don't confess it to God, it eats up our conscience, it eats up our spirit, it eats up our confidence that we have in God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I noticed the song we sang this morning had talked a lot about evidence. And um, so... You know, we live by faith, and, and that's the principle, the only principle that we can really engage God because it all depends upon Him and what He has already done. But it's, 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 not, it's, it's from the human heart. And because it's from the human heart, it can get all messed up and all messy because of sin. Sin is like a, it short circuits our connection with God. That's why when there's sin in our life, our faith level falls down. Now, one good thing about having such a wonderful praise team and praise music in a church like your all's, praise pumps our faith back up, doesn't it? I mean, you could be having a bad day, right, and come in and start hearing these guys and gals playing and singing, and all of a sudden, emotionally, and instantly, almost instantly, you can go right into heaven. And, 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 and it just transforms the music. That's the thing about music. It's so powerful. It can be negative or it can be positive. I like to look at it positively when it comes to, to praising God and worshiping Him. But you know what I mean. You can sometimes, you know, in the South, we have Southern Gospel. 
But you know, driving up here, I found a station <laughs> that, man, it was playing a lot of Southern gospel. And the Southern gospel's not really my thing. I can take about five minutes of it. It's, it's like uh, 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 bluegrass. I love bluegrass for three minutes, uh, but it's, it's just all, it's good in the talented people that play it. Southern gospel, I'm a little more contemporary, but sometimes the southern gospel, you flip the radio on and there it is, and man, two seconds later, you're in heaven. You're, you're thinking about heaven and the glory and Jesus Christ and on the cross and resurrection. And the music blows all the negative emotions from all the other things in your life away, and all of a sudden, you feel like you're right there in glory. Uh, but sin... Sin just destroys all that. It eats it all away. So, as we're thinking about this race, you've got to think about preparing for it. and You've got to think about the things that are weighing you down that are not sinful, they're optional. They're optional, but you have to decide if they're sucking too much of your life away that belongs to God. God gives you room for for entertainment. God gives you room for recreation, doesn't he? God gives you room for, for relationships even outside the church uh, and work and all those types of things. But we've got to give it all back to God and say, God, I'm, I'm not a normal person. I, I'm living in this world, but also I'm living in that world. I'm living in that future, eternal world. world. And I'm walking with God and most people in society, I mean, right now you can just say it clearly, most people in society don't have that added uh, priority or responsibility or concern in their life. So we have to stay on top of that. Uh, so let, let's move on and, say she, uh, and see that there's also there's a price to pay. Uh, notice he talks about uh, running with patience. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and trips us up, like we talked about, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Running with endurance. It's a long race. Have you ever noticed that? It's not a sprint. It's just a long marathon of life. Anybody notice that? It, it is. I mean, you can be 30 and realize that. You can realize, man, how did I get to be 30? You know, when you, you, anybody have freak out when you turn 30? I didn't freak out when I turned 50. But when I turned 60, I go, how in the world could I be 60 years old? My life is over. I mean, you know, you, you feel like that emotionally. You go, 60? Are you kidding me? What happened to my life? You know, and God says, hey, I'm still here. I'm still with you, and uh, so I'm, I'm looking, but I'm preparing for this long journey, and he talks about endurance, enduring the race. Think about a marathon runner, the amount of solitude that they have to endure. Hopefully, if you're a great runner uh, and love run long distances or run marathon, you enjoy solitude, hopefully. And, and you, can, you can develop the stamina that you need uh, and, and you, as you grow. And, but Christians, and you think about um, the marathon of life, 
we're also living life against the grain. We're going against the flow. Things bother you that don't bother most of the people. You know that? Things bother you because you see things that violate the word of God. You see things that violate your conscience because of your conscience was, was developed according to, mostly according to the word of God. And so as you're enduring the marathon of life, you see a lot of pushback against you, especially right now. Has anybody noticed? Anybody noticed? You know, if you're all gung-ho for America, you're not a globalist. Only within the last few years, only within the last few years has that become a big rift in the world. And you know, we, we all know we're getting close to Jesus coming because we, it was 2,000 years after these words were written, okay? Logic. But emotionally and experientially now, we're beginning to see our world transform in its thinking to where now you might be backward and ancient and archaic if you, in your thinking if you think that a nation standing and, and being thinking about its own people and thinking about uh, just your, your uh, context and your perspective of life is centered around your nation. You're a backward person now in some places. You know, in, in, in media a lot. You're, you're backwards. You're going against the grain. We're all, we're all moving together. It's, it's, we're going to try to advance. We're going to be advanced. We're going to all be one, the whole world. All one, except that God ordained nations, didn't he? My button came off. Here it is. I better put that in my pocket. That's from going to Cracker Barrel too much. Uh, I tried to button it and it wouldn't button. But, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, don't deny it. Don't, don't deny it. Don't put your head in the sand that uh, as it is, has, has been 2,000 years, but some of the definite descriptive things that are going to happen in the last days are happening on the newscast in front of you. You know, it's all about the globe. It's all about the globe. And you're a conspiracy theorist if you don't realize uh, that the globe is where it's at. And to me, that's a warning flag. That's something I've got to uh, be, be careful of. You know, Jesus finished his job. Paul ran the full course, didn't he? Paul ran a marathon. He was chased all over southeast, uh, the, the Middle East there by the Judaizers, trying to bring him back under the law. They would have done him in completely, uh, but God protected him until, until it was his, his time to go. Then there's a promise to appropriate. Uh, notice there in verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the uh, pioneer and uh, completer of our faith, depending on what translation you have. The finisher of our faith. The, still trying to button that button. Uh, the author 
I think that kind of, in my thinking, is talking about the author of my saving faith when I, was, when I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the finisher, I think, of that process, you know, the Bible calls it sanctification, is the process of spiritual maturity, learning how to lean on God, learning how to lean into Him, so that when you are tired, when you are weary of the marathon, that's okay because the, the weaker you get, guess what? The stronger he gets it. This doesn't have to happen when you're 70. It can happen when you're 17. It's just something you learn. And Jesus is the finisher. He's the finisher. What if you ran a marathon and you ran 27 miles and just quit? What is it? What is a marathon? 20, what? 26. Okay, I think it was 28. What if you ran 25 and just quit and didn't finish the race? We all have to finish the race. Uh, finish the race for your kids. Finish strong for your kids. Uh, there's a whole generation behind us that needs to be inspired. They need to see us finish strong. This race of faith. And it is a race. It's challenging. It gets harder every day. It gets harder from just each individual standpoint, but it's getting harder because we are... Uh, encapsulized in this time in history when maybe we are the church that is on the scene when the end of this world, as God uh, ordains, maybe we are the church that's here when it all comes to an end. You think, ah, what a bummer. We don't want a bummer? If your heart belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're realizing, you should be realizing, and it will energize your life that, that God is bringing all this to an end someday. Now there's going to delay, be a delay. I, I believe in the messianic thousand year reign where Jesus reigns on the, the earth, but even if you don't agree with that, and there's good theological people who don't see that. They see the church as the fulfillment of that. But, but in either case, it's all, about, it's all about God winding down this earth, this, this, uh, I guess this whole universe. God, God doesn't just have this universe. He has whatever else outside of it that he, that he uh, wants to originate. He's the originator of other, other things. We're, when we are saved, the Bible says we're uh, raised up to heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 6. We're seated in the heavenlies. That's not just flowerly, imaginary language. It's when you're a member of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You're married to the Lord Jesus Christ because of your faith. And he envisions his church as his bride. And, you know, there's nothing, you know, don't think too gender specific about this. Uh, he's the God of the universe. He's the Son of God. And the church is married to him. And the church is joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We sit next to him on the throne next to God in the future. Uh, whew, I'm going to run out of, uh, of enthusiasm here. Just uh, because it boggles your mind. If you can become fascinated with that rather than this, or, or some games that you play on here, or even you know, whatever else happens on here, if you can get your attention fastened on 
your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the part that is the finisher of the faith that we were talking about just a few moments ago. Uh, that's the most important thing that we can do with the, with the rest of our life. We will grow more once we understand our identity in Christ because behavior, proper behavior, follows who we know that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we understand who you are, when you understand who you are, you can be who you are. If you're confused who you are, if you think, oh, I'm just a poor old miserly minor sinner saved by grace, well, you are, actually. You are. That's where you start, though. You are much more than that, right? I see some of you really smiling because you know what I'm talking about. You're already fascinated with the Word of God. And you can spend your time during this marathon doing what? Looking at God, looking at His Word, learning more about who we are. Amen? It's worth your time. It's worth your concentration. Now let's finish up here uh, within a decent amount of time. There is a promise to appropriate. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. I'm trying to stick to my notes. I only got two pages here today. I had five and six at the men's retreat. I wore them out. I mean, I wore them out. Andy got mad at me. Andy threw me under the bus. The first night we were supposed to have discussion groups afterward, and Andy goes, Come to get, you know, I say amen at the end of the prayer. And Andy goes, okay, now we can't have our groups because it's too late. So uh, he'll never have me back. He threw me under the bus. Uh, not really. Uh, or maybe really, he just hadn't told me yet. But the promise to appropriate, a big word, Appropriation is like when you have money in the bank and you pull out a check and you fill the check out and you get $100 out of your bank. You, maybe you've got a million dollars in your bank. But if you don't have a checkbook or you don't have one of these, you know, that you can electronically uh, transfer money, you know, here and there. But if you want to get cash, you can't use one of these yet. Now, it may be, maybe that'll be different in the future, but... To access the million dollars to get a hundred dollars, you have to appropriate it some way. Usually we do it with a check or we do it with electronically. Uh, and we appropriate who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And it's really, the, the big thing here is to keep the focus on Jesus. It's not how big your faith is, is it? It's your little faith in a great God. Your little faith in a great God. That's what we saw in chapter 11. You know, you had people like Samson. I've already picked on him. There was another guy named Jephthah. I really got mad thinking about Jephthah. He, he made a terrible, terrible vow before God. After a victory, after God gave him a victory, and he made a vow that cost him a child because of what he spoke out of his mouth and it distracted from the glory of God. We've got to be mature. We don't have to just be moral. You can be moral and still be a disaster if you're immature. And Jephthah was immature, but Jephthah had enough faith to make it into the hall of faith, what we, what we call Hebrews chapter 11. You know, it's, it, it, one thing it reminds us of is that, that sea of forgetfulness where our sins go, that God voluntarily chooses to forget 
our sins. God doesn't really forget anything, but in the sense of holding it against us, it's, when it's under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgets. He doesn't see it. He didn't see. He didn't really see Jephthah's uh, uh, sorrowful. Uh, just it was. It was just a problem. And then maybe some of you have have this problem, being impulsive. Just impulsively shooting your mouth off, not worrying about who it bothers or or really what it's about. Just you know that's that's a problem. And Jephthah did that. Go read it someday. Go go read the history. In the book of Judges, uh, there's a, a half of a chapter about it, and it's painful and it's disastrous. It cost him his, his only child, his daughter. Uh, we've got to be mature. We don't just have to be moral. We have to be mature in order to run the race, run the marathon, uh, and finish strongly as God uh, wants us to do. Um, there's a prize here at the end to possess. Look at what he says there. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, he it says here that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before Jesus, which empowered him in his thinking, in his emotions, in his will, to stay true to God and to make the sacrifice on that cross with the crown of thorns on his head, uh, all that went with it. Uh, what empowered him was his faith and the fact that he loved you. You are the joy that was set before him. This church, all of the church of God down through the ages, uh, all people who have trusted in Him, they are all the joy of God. He thought about you. You know, you can push through. Don't some of you guys and some of you gals go to work in the morning, you don't feel like going, you know, but you got five mouths to feed and, and all that kind of stuff. For the joy set before you, you endure your job, Right? I mean, we've all been through that. We, we love people. We're willing to pay a price for them. And, and so Jesus on the cross, I say, God, if there's any other way to do it, do it. But, but if not, it, thy will be done. And he paid that price. And let's close by looking at this phrase right after that. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame despising the shame. I told the guys this week, I, I love translations, different translations, because uh, sometimes it seems like what you're reading just doesn't quite make sense. And you know it's not God's fault. You know it's not the Holy Spirit's fault. There's that human aspect of Bible translation. And Bible translators do a fabulous job. I mean, different translations, and I like to look at a lot of different translations, but I look at that and despising the shame. You know, Jesus was on the cross, had no clothes on. He didn't have a thing around his waist. That's, we do that for, uh, for public consumption nowadays. He didn't have that on. He was, he was totally naked on the cross. He was, he was totally shamed uh, that none of us would ever voluntarily go through, I don't think. Um, he despised the shame. 
you know, he felt so bad because he was on the cross. No, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean he despised it. it mean, what it means, the real best translation that I have seen that makes more sense in the context, he scorned the shame. He, he basically, he said, I don't care. I'll, I'll do this. He scorned the shame. He scorned it. Scorn is a power, powerful thing. I've told some people lately, it's a great tool for raising kids. Now, listen. Listen to me through this. This is true. You know, I'm not saying scorn your children. But I, I can remember my father back in 1968 or something like that. Saturday afternoon, there's a baseball game that comes on. Black and white TV, you know. And, and I, I think it was either Tony Kubek or Dizzy Dean or somebody like that. They held up a Falstaff beer. There never had been an announcer who endorsed beer or alcohol at that point. Maybe there had been, but we hadn't seen it. And I'm sitting there, and you should have heard my father. He didn't raise his voice or anything. He said, I cannot, I cannot believe that they would advertise beer. My daddy put a Y in the word beer, B-Y-E-E-R. I don't know why, but he would say, I can't believe that they're advertising beer on TV in front of all these young people that love baseball. They love athletics. They love those types of things. And uh, he scorned that. And I heard that. And, and so parents and grandparents, don't scorn your children, but when you see behaviors that you know are not right and are going to hurt your young people and are going to hurt their life, scorn it. Scorn it. Make fun of it. Uh, do it in a wise way. You know, uh, but I'm saying scorn is a powerful thing. You know, it's, it's a type of criticism that you can't really respond to. So Jesus, Jesus on the cross in total abject shame that none of us could even imagine, the Bible says he looked at it and said, I don't care about the shame. I don't care about what this is costing me right now. I don't care how embarrassed I am. I don't care how terrible I look. I'm doing this, and I'm dying for this world because I love them, and I'm the only one qualified to do it. And he was qualified to do it, and he did it. And we talked all this weekend about how do we connect to that? How do we, uh, the reality of God himself, the creator of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, coming together in the person of the Son and dying on the cross. How does that mean something to me? It means something to you because you can trust in it. You don't even have to understand all about it except to understand that you're a sinner and you're lost if you haven't placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart right now and he's saying, he's saying there is a way for you to... Uh, tap into and lock into the victory that God won that day because Jesus was willing to absorb absorb the blow of death for you spiritual death for you 
And then three days later, what happened? Easter. He rose from the dead. He was resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he, he's waiting on you this morning. You, may, you could, you enjoy every week maybe the fellowship of the smiling faces of this church. Man, today is just a beautiful day and it's not rainy and drizzly and cold. You know, God gave you a beautiful day. God let you wake up this morning. God gave you a breakfast. God, you know, there's so many things that, that we take for granted. But the main thing we can't take for granted is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the access to Jesus Christ, the access to everything that God has, everything that God has uh, is for eternity, is simply by faith. By faith. And you can trust Him this morning. And you, you know, and you may be thinking, you know, I haven't trusted Him up to this point. And He spared your life. He has spared your life up to this point, hadn't He? You, you've ignored him in the past. Well, you, you kind of enjoyed the, the singing. You enjoyed the fellowship. You enjoy, but, but, and, but really personally, you yourself, you're not sure. You're not sure whether you know the Lord uh, in true salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I tell you, I know Brother DJ will be down at the front here. At least him and Andy or somebody, somebody can talk to you. Some of the men that were on the stage earlier this morning can just answer your questions and, or pray with you or just kind of help you walk through this. Begin maybe a uh, relationship of uh, counseling because uh, this is important. Nothing else is important compared to this. Nothing. Because we're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven. We don't like to talk about hell. But hell is real. It's, it's in the Word of God. It's the truth for a person. Imagine a person who heard and understands and hears the story about what Jesus has done for them on the cross and then they go, no, I want to go here and waste my life doing this. That person go to hell. They will go to hell. I hate to say it. Let's bow our heads as we close the service this morning close this part of the service Father we just ask you to help us finish this marathon <laughs> Lord I, I pray that you would help us to put those weights off of us those things that are they're optional they're not sin but they're things that hamper us they keep us from studying your word they keep us from spending time with our family and church and Lord, we, we know that uh, you have the answer. The answer here this morning is that a person can just come and give their complete heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then when they go back into next week, and they go back into the regular life, uh, they're not regular, they're not normal anymore, they're changed. They're forgiven. They know that their eternity is taken care of. So since their eternity is fixed, and Jesus has, has authored their faith and is going to help them finish their faith all the rest of their life. He's going to be walking with them through their life. Then they know that it is done and they know that they have assurance. They have that assurance that they can stand on and face the marathon of life. Lord, there's believers here this morning that are facing the marathon, that are having heartaches, 
They've had failures. They've had people fail them. People have hurt them. Uh, Lord, we know that there's so many burdens in this building this morning. Maybe somebody like that needs to come and just take one of the pastors by the hand, one of the men uh, up front, and just have them have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we just leave, leave it all up to you. We turn it over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For that powerful word, maybe you have a, a distraction you need to leave at the altar, a weight you've been carrying. Maybe there's a sin you need to get untangled from. Or maybe, as the pastor shared, you've never really trusted in Christ as your Savior. and You need to lay your sin down this morning, and you need to trust in the only Savior God provided, the crucified, resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ. We want to give you all a, t a chance to respond. Would you stand with me as we sing this hymn together? If you have a need, the altar is open. Whatever the business you need to do with God, let's do it right now. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been.
I know, God, that we have some things that you've convicted us of, those weights, those sins, God. God, we pray that we would sincerely, by your grace and by your spirit, leave them here today and go forward and run our race as uh, Pastor Wynn uh, challenged us today, God. And God, we, pr we do pray, God, that, that if there's someone here or someone listening online who doesn't know you, God, that your spirit would not let them rest you would remind them of the message that they've heard, the love you've shown them on the cross, the power that you've shown them in the empty tomb, and God, that they would take that step of faith and find forgiveness of their sins in your son, Jesus Christ, and then have them come and let us know about the decision that they've made, God. We give you all the praise and the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again, Pastor, for that message. And we invite you all back tonight at 6.30. God bless you. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12th meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.